This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 1st to the 7th of August. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzie. Looking forward to another exciting week. Oh, that's brilliant to hear that it's going to be exciting. So what is going to make it so exciting for us all? Well, we've, we have mentioned this parade of planets for a long time, and it's because they're spread out. They're, they're really spread out across the sky now. There's quite a gap. Uh, so uh, we've got Saturn almost on one side of the sky. And if you're looking around about three o'clock in the morning, because it's yes, it's morning time again, I'm afraid. But that's the way out of the cookie crumbles. So, yes, we've got quite a lot spread out sort of thing. It's fairly even now between sort of Saturn, then Jupiter, then Mars sort of thing, and then Venus low down sort of thing as the twilight actually develops. But uh, this week, we've got sort of the the closing in of Mars with Uranus. And it actually happens today, on August the 1st, the very first day of this week. So, Mm. uh, you know, they just lie one and a half degrees apart. Mars will be below Uranus. And, you know, worth looking in in, uh, binoculars, uh, but we'll also be able to spot them, actually, with a a wide field, a rich field telescope, which will be quite a good view. It's like one and a half degrees or something, so that's sort of like three times the width of the moon itself. So uh, quite fascinating. And I I would like to just check the colour. Because Mars is clearly red. I mean, we we all know that. That's why it's called Mars, the red planet. Yeah, you can see that with the naked eye. Yeah, exactly. When it's at opposition, it's absolutely blazing there. Although I must admit, I always think it looks really orange. Mm. (laughs) You know, but uh, there it is. It's shining away. Um, But um, Uranus is generally green, but it does need a bit of magnification to bring that out. I have spotted it as a sort of hint with binoculars. But a small telescope will bring out the greenish colour of Uranus. So it's nice to contrast the two colours sort of thing. You've got two quite strong colours there uh, next to each other. So Mars is passing below Uranus. And as it does so, as I say, it's actually closest. This is conjunction. It is a true conjunction as well. It does share the same right ascension coordinates, uh, give or take, you know, an arc minute or so, you know, but, uh, you know, but we're not talking about degrees apart. So we are talking about sort of thing, you know, being on almost the same RA uh, line, which is that's how we define the conjunctions as such. They should be along the same uh, right ascension coordinate. So, uh, so there can even be quite a few degrees apart. You know, well apart, but they're still technically a conjunction because they're sharing the same sort of general coordinates. So there we are. So Mars is passing below Uranus, but it quickly moves past it. So and it's heading towards Taurus. Now Mars and Uranus 
are in Aries at the moment. They're in a bit of an, a nondescript Aries sort of thing. But what really helps this is that the Pleiades star cluster is to their left as they're rising. Now, they're over in the east at about 3 a.m. So, you know, it's quite clear cut. Mars is easily naked eye, so you should be able to home in on this area itself. So, being quite close to the Pleiades, it does mean Mars is going to pass below the Pleiades soon as well. So, we'll come to that a little bit later. But, uh, as I say, it's well worth keeping an eye on the motion of the Mars, because Mars is closer than Uranus, so that's why it moves past it very quickly. But something that's also moving quickly is Comet Wilson-Harrington. Now, we mentioned that the other month, because this mm -hmm. is that comet that's an asteroid, that's a comet sort of thing. In some astronomical images, it was classed as a comet. Then they found it as an asteroid. So, very, very weird object sort of thing. We now know they can be both, sort of mm -hmm. thing, especially if comets have outgassed completely. They're old, and they've lost all their volatiles. Then, well, basically, they're going to look like an asteroid. Or mm -hmm. uh, nowadays, we tend to call them minor planets as well. So, it's also in Aries as well. So, what What's happening is it is actually moving faster than Mars in the apparent motion on the sky. And it will actually, by the end of the week, be above the Pleiades. Mars will still be in Aries and close to the border, so it won't have passed into it yet. But Wilson-Harrington will be above the Pleiades. So, well worth having a look at. See if you can see this uh, unusual comet and uh, sort of track it as it heads towards the Pleiades. And again, I like it when these objects, these indistinct objects, are close to a, a recognisable, well-known object, like the Pleiades, Messier 45, the Seven Sisters star cluster. So, mm -hmm. you know, well worth looking at it. Uh, if I could just Digest, go, go back a little bit, sort of thing. Just to remind it, on the first, interesting enough, um, the actual lineup is Mars, Uranus, and then eight degrees from Mars, if you extend that line past Uranus, is Comet Wilson-Harrington. So, you know, eight degrees is a bit much for typical binoculars, but you should be able to sweep up if you follow Mars past Uranus, and Karen, you should come across a little diffuse blob. There's not many deep sky objects that are bright enough in that region to be confused with. So you should mm -hmm. be all right. So that's on the first. But by the seventh, Wilson Arrington will actually be above the Pleiades star cluster. So uh, there we are. So we've got two major planets sort of thing. We've got a comet and we've got a deep sky object as well. I always like it when we get the Pleiades back, the winter skies. <laughs> oh, I'm getting, I'm getting excited. <laughs> yeah, the Pleiades is definitely one of those things that it's it's really beautiful to see. Um, it's relatively easy to see. It's a it's a naked eye object, um, but it looks even better if you can manage to get it through a pair of binoculars or a telescope. And we and we love waiting for when we can mm -hmm. get it after its absence because of the summer. Once we get it, we yeah. know you know the skies are going to get darker. Now we're still in the morning sky, and that was about 3 a.m. I suggest for Mars and Uranus to get the best. They're well up. The sky is relatively dark because it's surprising how quick the sky starts to get dark now. Um, now that the nights are beginning to pull in. But uh, if we carry on, we're into the 2nd of August. And so 4 a.m., look out for Venus. Because Venus, uh, on the 2nd and the 3rd, it's either side, it, it, its motion takes it either side of Delta Geminorum or Wasat is the name. I always think I want to say, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? It's that. 
<laughs> it gets worse, doesn't it? But you want to be looking roughly northeast. It is low down. Remember, again, Venus is in the twilight. It is getting lower, so you need an uncluttered horizon. But roughly northeast, about 4 a.m., and this is where you can see Venus either side on the 2nd and 3rd of August of Delta Geminorum as well. Now, we don't get away from the evening sky completely. Yeah, something more convenient because, of course, the moon's back in the evening sky. And so, thick out. I, I like looking for these thin crescents sort of thing. And as, as it gets, obviously, thicker, it becomes easier to observe. The Earth sign becomes easier to observe. And so, where we see on the second, it's close to Porima. Porima is a really tight double star. In fact, Porima has been opening out and it's a lot easier now in telescopes. A few years ago, I couldn't split them with any of the instruments I actually had at the time. Now, they're quite well separated. I think it's about four arc seconds. I don't mind being wrong on that sort of thing. But the point is, so it's next, the moon, crescent moon is next to Porima. It's to the light to the right of Porima. And then it's to the upper right of Spica or Spica on the third, and of course the phase is gradually getting thicker as well. So, you know, well worth having a look at. Now, by the end of the week, the moon has grown in phase. It's a gibbous moon. And on the sixth, this is late evening, about sort of like, well, say about 20 to 11. I know it's getting late. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these events you have to stay up for, you know. But the moon occults the star Deshuba, Delta Scorpii. Now, the thing about this is that because the star is a naked eye star, you should see it disappear at the northern edge of the moon. And it's a very brief, it lasts probably about 10, 15 minutes at most sort of thing. So it's well worth observing well beforehand sort of thing and then carry on afterwards just to make sure. But with the naked eye, you'll see this star disappear. And the thing, because there's no atmosphere on the moon, they do go out abruptly. Literally, mm. a fraction of a second, it's gone. And the only difference is when they're double stars and they can fade because one component gets occulted and then the next. So uh, this is Deshuba, Delta Scorpii, then on the 6th. Uh, I have it set around about 20 to 11. Um, that's roughly middle of the UK. But bear in mind that if you're further north, A, the skies will be lighter. The moon will be lower as well. So it's setting quite soon. So it's a quite short occultation, but you should get the reappearance as well so uh, you know but remember if you're further north if you say sort of top end of scotland then it will be getting the whole of the country can see it i mean i worked it out even shetlands but shetlands it's getting close to setting as the occultation and reappearance actually takes place but mm -hmm. there we are we end the week actually with a, a, an occultation of a very bright star in actual fact so there we go Mm, does sound like a really nice way to end off the week. Um, but thank you very much for telling us all about the things that we can see throughout the week. And I hope that some of our listeners will be able to get to see some of them. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure. Let's hope we have clear skies. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com 
or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.